what I wanted to do today is talk about the power of being invisible. See, a lot of times we have different reasons why we feel invisible. And sometimes you're going to hear about a woman today named Ruth. Now, I'm going to probably tell the story today a little different than you've ever heard it before. Because I know it was challenging to me when God started unveiling some of the true facts about Ruth and her story. But one of the things about her story is she was erased by life. That's how she became invisible. Something happened outside of her control and the hand of life took the pencil that was writing the narrative, writing the story, turned the pencil over and started erasing and she ended up in a position where she felt absolutely invisible. So would you bow your heads with me today and let's pray that God reveal the truth of the story of Ruth today and allow us to see the invisible. Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes preaching powerful. Father, I'm telling a story that is familiar to almost everybody in this room. And because of its familiarity, I know most of the times I come before you and I say, God, let me preach a message that's revelation that no, they've never heard before and, and it, it'll wow them. But Father, I've learned over the years that it isn't about wowing somebody. It's about taking the authority of your word. Maybe we've heard it a thousand times, but it still rings true today. And change our life with the authority of your word. And I give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Can you imagine this woman named Ruth? Now, she is finding herself becoming invisible. And you may ask yourself, well, Pastor, how did that happen? Well, she's introduced to the pages of the Bible. When her story starts to come alive, she is a woman living in a country of Moab. And she gets a moment where she falls in love with a man from Israel. His name is Malon. He beco she becomes his wife. The one thing I want you to, to challenge you with is she was not a warrior queen. She was not a, she was not this, she was not famous at all. She was just a regular woman, probably just kind of hanging out in the background. What had happened was there was a man named Elimelech, and he married a woman named, Na Na named Naomi. And they, because of a famine, had to leave Bethlehem and go to this place called Moab. So look at your neighbor and just, it, it, it's, a, it's a cool name. Just look at them and go, Moab. See how it rolls off your tongue? Moab. You know, if you get all the maps today, there's no Moab. No Moab on the maps. So where is Moab? Moab is the modern country of Jordan. Oh, yeah. Jordan. And so they go from Bethlehem to Jordan. They go in there. It's a family. It's a mother, a father, two sons. And lo and behold, they fit in. They start to do life. Both of their sons get married to ladies in Moab. And there, we don't know what it was. The Bible doesn't give us any clues. Something bad happened. I don't know if it was a plague, I don't know if it was a sickness, don't know if it was an accident, don't know if it was a crisis, a tragedy, I don't know how it happened, I don't know if the sky opened up, a mountain fell down, but it killed Elimelech and both of his sons. 
So we have the three men. There were six of them at the family dinner table on Sunday. There was Elimelech. There was Naomi. There was Malon. There was his brother. There was Ruth. And there was a woman named Orpah. And all of them at Sunday dinner, you could imagine, they were sitting around the table talking about doing life and living forever. But all of a sudden, the table goes from six to three. And it's just the ladies left. So the mother-in-law comes to him and says, you've been wonderful daughter-in-laws. I want to bless you. I, I love you. But you got the odds stacked against you. Can you imagine what it feels like to be in one way one day and then by the next day you feel totally different? Like a piece of your identity has just been erased away. Like you can never get it back and, and you wonder what is happening and can you imagine what she would say, you know, like I, I had so many plans with my husband and you know those talks that first you're married and you're learning about each other and you're getting acquainted but then there comes the talk of maybe one day we'll expand our family but that day never got a chance to happen. Naomi goes to him and says, you know what girls, you're in a bad position. See Ruth was a woman from Jordan, married to a man she loved, and then all of a sudden things changed. She's now a young woman that has been married. That means she's no longer a virgin. And that means that she feels damaged goods. But a lot of times our imagination will play tricks on us. It will allow us to create a picture because of our perspective. And sometimes perspective is so narrow that we color everything the way that we want it or the way that we understand it or the way that we are. I literally saw a cartoon this week about Moses and Pharaoh and somebody had sent it to me and, and they were, they, me and them were having dialogue about it. And Pharaoh was blonde hair and white. You know Egypt's in Africa, right? Pharaoh did not have light skin. He was a dark-skinned man. But isn't it amazing how we see... What do you think Ruth looked like? Let me show you. Can you show me a picture? That woman there is from Jordan. Brown skin. Just a, you know, just a woman of color. Touch your neighbor and say, woman of color. You say, well, pastor, you know, okay, you've now showed... Let me show you a woman from Israel. See the difference? This is important because for the rest of this story, the reason it's important is that Ruth was identified throughout the entirety of the book of Ruth as Ruth the Moabitess. And what it meant was she looks different than all of us. And there's a distinction between us and her. And God was fixing to color this thing. And you say, Pastor, uh, what I wanted you to see is that the Bible is full of diversity. By the time you get to heaven and you get a good glimpse of heaven in the book of Revelations, it says heaven is made up of every tribe, tongue, nation, and culture, and ethnicity. Can somebody say amen? God has been coloring this world with color. And it's important for you to see that there is a moment that God takes and it'll make more sense at the end. But all of a sudden, Naomi says to both of her daughter-in-laws, hey, go out and go back to your families. It's the only hope you got. Maybe your fathers can, can make an arrangement for you to get married again. And they both say, no, Naomi, we're staying with you. And she says, girls, if you go with me, I'm thinking about going home. You'll never get married. 
There's not going to be a man in Bethlehem say, Hey, I want to marry a Moabitess. You're different. And all of a sudden, one of them kisses her. And she's not a bad woman. She's just going and doing what her mother-in-law tells her. But Ruth says, no, no, no. Even if I have to stay unmarried for the rest of my life, I'm going to make a commitment to you and we're going to have a covenant and we're going to honor each other and I will not leave you. And she says it in these words. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die and there we'll be buried. That's some kind of a commitment right there. So now you're talking about being erased. You were thinking about having a family. And now you're, you're, you being a wife has been erased. Now your hope of being married again is being erased. And now you're going to be a caregiver to your mother-in-law. Because she's getting up in age. And you're going to a place you're not going to fit in. And you're going to stand out. And you're going to a place that, that everybody's going to know you're different. And you're going to become invisible. And sure enough, she goes with her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. And she decides as she's moving in this, you want to talk about feeling a race. Not only has all of this tragedy happened, but at the same time, she becomes destitute. Poverty now is erasing even more of her identity. And now she becomes a woman that if in today's culture, in today's time, she would be a woman on welfare. Depending on an uncle. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in her shoes. You want to feel invisible? This is how she felt. She would, it would be like you going to your uncle and walking into his dining room table and say, Hey, what do you got left from dinner? That's what I want. That's, what my, that, that's who I am now. I'm, I'm the person that gets the scraps. So here she is. She's a woman from Moabite are from Moab, she's a Moabitess, and she's now taking care of her uh, mother-in-law, and now they're destitute, and now she's in a field gathering up scraps. You want to know what I would have said in the middle of that field? God, where are you? I thought you, we had so many plans together, and I, I, I feel invisible, and you feel a million miles away. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Or is it just me? Anybody ever feel invisible? Everybody, anybody ever been re-identified? And sometimes you find yourself in a position you never thought you would be in. And then we pray the prayer, God, just help me just a little bit. But you want to know that God doesn't want to help you just a little bit. He's God enough to help you a lot. Amen? And we just want the pain to go away. We just want... We, we just want to go to a place where, where we can just be seen and not be quite so invisible. And there she is. And God starts to work the Cinderella story. She's out there working. She tells her mother-in-law, hey, don't worry about coming with me. I'm going to go to the field alone. I'll glean for both of us. And so she, you see the, the beauty of her heart. It's not just beautiful on the outside, but she's beautiful on the inside. She's willing to honor her aging mother-in-law by saying, don't go out in, in the heat with me. I'm going to go alone and I'll do the work for two. And the prince shows up. His name is Boaz. And he sees her. I'm going to say that again. Remember, she was invisible. He sees her. 
That's the, that's the incredible part about this whole story. Is that one day in the memorial room, God spoke to me and said, Hey, here, I was studying for the, uh, a, a sermon on Wednesday night on the book of Ruth. And he said, Who do you want to be in the story? I said, I'll be Boaz. He said, I'm sorry, that role's been taken. I'm Boaz. <laughs> he said, Why don't you be Ruth to your Naomi? And we'll get into that maybe in a little bit. But what the story was telling you is God saw her. The Boaz, the Redeemer, saw her. And he's trying to play it cool. This is what he says to his worker. He says, Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Interpret that for me, Pastor. She's different, Boaz. I know she caught your eye, but don't you remember? She's from Moab. She's not like us. He said, set me up. Go on match.com and see if she's got, <laughs> got a profile on there. Can we work something out? I, there's something about her. <laughs> you know what happens? She marries the prince. And goes from the woman in the welfare line to the woman giving the gifts. She becomes rich like this. She's now the owner of the field that she once gleaned in. And we would all say, Pastor, say amen. I'm ready to sign up to be Ruth. I'll trade poverty for riches. God bless. Let's all go to the altar. <laughs> That's not the cool part about the story. No. Nah. It gets, it gets better. So let's go back to this woman of color. This beautiful brown-skinned woman that catches the eye of a Hebrew Jewish man. Incredible. They get married. Do you realize that he wasn't the first in line to marry her, to redeem her? There was another relative. You know what the other relative said? I can't do that. She's from Moab. Mm -mm, I, I'm not messing my stuff up. Here's a prophetic word for you. God's in the business of messing your stuff up for your good. I'm going to say that again. God is in the business of messing your stuff up to, prov to provide for you an opportunity to do something that you never thought you were capable of doing. And so when you think your life is getting erased and nobody sees you, I want you to know that there's two scriptures I want to quote. One is out of Psalms 33 and 13. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all the children of men. And then in Proverbs 15 and, 30, uh, 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. He takes a woman from the wrong side of the river. I want you to understand the impact of this. Let's make it modern. He takes a Palestinian and brings her over the Jordan River to marry a Jew. And then they come together and they get married and they become the Cinderella story. Now the poor little girl becomes rich. That's not the point. The point is much greater That would have been enough, wouldn't it? God says, no, I'm big. Let's do some big stuff. 
I am going to choose you, this young married couple, as being the very couple... I can choose any couple in Israel. I can choose people from the tribe of Levi, the Levite, the priestly tribe. No, I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to make this messed up situation that you've walked in that made you invisible. I'm going to make your connection and your new bloodline royal. I said royal. That means the king that's going to sit on the throne comes from a Palestinian woman from Jordan and a Hebrew man from Bethlehem and they are going to come together and produce a child. His name is going to be named Obed. Obed's going to have a son named Jesse. Jesse's going to have a son named David which is going to be the greatest king, earthly king in the history of Israel. Can somebody say amen with an invisible woman? I'm going to make your situation royal. And I'm not even going to stop there. I'm going to choose your blood to be the bloodline of the Messiah. Woo! A kingdom that will never end. When you read the Messianic prophecies, it's talking about the kingdom of David never coming to an end. We know David died, but Jesus died and resurrected from the dead. A descendant of, of David that is, going, that is the Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Redeemer of the world, the Taker away of sin, the One that spilt His blood to purchase your price. And it come from an invisible woman that had to walk through a moment of tragedy to feel like nobody on earth would see her, but the eyes of God was on her and he's on you too somebody say amen Amy come get ready to play me something that used to be Donovan's position and I would say Donovan come play me something so I can land this thing see what we don't understand sometimes is we think life has the pencil and when life doesn't go our way we think that life turns the pencil over and starts to erase. But I'm here to tell you this word right here says the pencil's in God's hand. And if he's, doing it, if he's turning it over to erase something, he's got a purpose to turn it back over to write a brand new chapter in your life. Get this. Brown, beautiful woman from Jordan. Can you imagine God giving her a secret? She wouldn't even have believed him if he told her. If I was God, I'd have kind of played a joke on her. I'd have said, you know, in the moment that she was just at her, at, just at, in Moab, in Jordan, just going, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to make you my God. Here's where it touches us. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 23 and 3, you'll find a scripture that says this. And the Moabites shall be removed from the presence of the Lord for ten generations. It was a curse. And God said, I'm going to take a cursed woman that has been erased. And I'm going to be, give her a blessing that will transcend her imagination. I could have went to her when she was complaining in Jordan and bent down and said, Honey, guess what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to take you over there and let you marry a prince. You're going to go from rags to riches. Only thing different from you in Disney World is the silver slipper. Or glass slipper, whatever it was. 
And she would have said, oh, my knight in shining armor is coming. Oh, don't stop there, dear. That's so small. I'm a big God. I'm going to take you and that man and make your bloodline royal. You're, you're going to be the elite of the elite. <laughs> and I'm not even going to stop there. There's going to be a young man named Joseph. He's going to be engaged to a woman named Mary. They're going to have to go to back to Bethlehem where this whole thing started. And they're going to have to go back there because he's going to be of the lineage of the house of David. And I'm going to cause in a stable 2,000 years ago from this day, he caused a young woman, a virgin, to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and be born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothing. And they called his name Jesus. In the fields at the simultaneous time of her giving birth there was angels upon angels that peer, appeared to shepherds the lowest of the totem pole of the economic world and said unto you this day is, is, is born a savior come on be of good cheer the savior of the world is here all because of an invisible woman that I took and I started writing a new chapter in her life See, all of us were condemned with a curse called the curse of sin and death. And because of that same Jesus and the power of His blood, God's been in the history of taking cursed people and making them blessed. And you and I stand here today redeemed with the authority of the gospel in our lives, not just to get us to heaven, but to share with others and to live an example of, of Christ-likeness throughout the earth. And we come from everywhere. God, help me. We come from everywhere. We've got mixed relationships. We've got people from, from uh, uh, the Bahamas, Jamaica. We've got them from Haiti. We've got them from Africa. We've got them from, from Louisiana. We've got them from Texas. We've got them from North Carolina. We even got a few from up north. We call them Yankees, but they've come down and been converted. We've got Haitians. I've got two grandchildren, one's porcelain white. Can I hold her for a moment? God's even got a plan for you, baby. And then I got one that's cinnamon. <laughs> oh my goodness. We come from everywhere. We have different colors of skin tone. We have different backgrounds. We have different heritages. We have different histories. But we stand here unified by the power of the authority of the blood of Jesus. And God has, God has anointed us to preach the gospel to every corner of the world. This one's grandparents are from Mexico. This one's from Jacksonville. <laughs> We're one of the few churches, two and a half percent of any church has ever become multi-ethnic. To be a multi-ethnic, you have to be 20% minority. You said in a group of people that God has brought to 1735 Jackson from all corners of the world. And you've done it because he wants to take the cursed position and make a blessed situation out of it. And he wants to use you to do it.